0: ridiculous is it that we're talking about an internet currency that was proposed in 2008 and founded in 2009 and it's a hedge against government currency it's a hedge and a bet against our currency failing quite quite ridiculous. It's, this hit me just the other day when I was thinking, we're talking about something that could have been an experiment. But yes, it's the best alternative according to some people at institutions. Uh, one for example, where uh, a company called MicroStrategy converted $425 million worth of their cash reserves into Bitcoin. What has the world come to? How have we gotten here? And in today's episode, we are going to cover how ridiculous it is that we are talking about Bitcoin. Let's dive in.
1: The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Murgakshi Palway, and the guests interviewed on the Go Full Crypto podcast are solely their own. The content discussed are intended to be for informational purposes only.
0: All right, episode number 32. You're listening to the Go Full Crypto podcast. I'm Ragakshi, and Keegan's here too. I'm here too. And we, we want to talk about why we talk about Bitcoin. We're assuming that if you're listening to this, you are, one, looking to get into the world of cryptocurrency by first understanding uh, the, the viewpoints of people who are already in it. Or two, you're probably already a cryptocurrency enthusiast and you just want to learn more. And with that particular camp, I think every cryptocurrency enthusiast is in because you can never know everything. I'm in that camp. Yeah, I'm in that camp too. Yeah,
1: I wake up every day and I just I just think how little I know about the whole situation of Bitcoin and the world economy and how things will play out.
0: Cool. And then there's another camp where people are just not aware of what Bitcoin is. Um, and I think there's also a fourth camp. I'm just realizing it's the people that think that Bitcoin is a joke. And and focusing a little bit more on that camp that thinks Bitcoin is a joke.
1: It kind of started that way. Well, that's the well we don't place. know
0: that. But what if it is?
1: What if it's a big joke?
0: What if it's a what if Bitcoin is a huge joke? However, this joke has been taken seriously
1: by enough people.
0: By a lot <laughs> of people. But but again, as we introduced in the introduction of this episode, is how ridiculous is it that we have more trust in Bitcoin than we do in what is happening to our dollar?
1: Yeah, that says a couple of things about uh about what we think about centralized institutions or how much we trust the government i know that there's people out there and i speak to them on a fairly regular basis that have a reasonable degree of trust in their government and like just speaking for myself i, I live in canada and i happen to think that we've got one of the best governments in the world Um but that still doesn't uh like come close to um you know, the mistakes that that people make. Like, even though we have a great government, we can still have a better one. Like, it it doesn't stop me from striving for something better.
0: I don't think it's the government, at least in in my case, because um, there's, I think that power is too centralized in general and control is too centralized in general. And um, I have no qualms with people having control over certain things, but when it comes to money, We've reached a point in time in our society where the power to control your money should be given to an individual as opposed to a group of individuals in a centralized entity for a localized government. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes.
1: Yes. So, uh, Rugakshi, earlier we were talking about this analogy. We were talking about a boat, a specific boat in history, and it was the Titanic, and we were giving the analogy that the titanic is a little bit like the world economy and uh I, I really love the way that you framed it, and then the way that you put it, and then I I also liked my addition onto it later. So
0: you want me to bring it back up?
1: I want you to bring it back up. Oh, okay. I know that we uh, like had that conversation initially off air, and we're gonna like try to artificially reproduce it here on the podcast. But I think it was a really yeah, interesting sure. way to look at things and the paradigm shift that uh, that this ridiculous internet currency Bitcoin represents.
0: Yeah. Well, it um, I was. Trying to conceptualize and understand a question, just a little bit pretext to how that analogy came to be. I was trying to understand um, where money is being allocated. I read a tweet earlier today that said that stock market prices have been the highest ever. Pretty sure that's what I read. Don't quote me on that. But I remember thinking, this is crazy. We're talking about uh, money being printed around the world. And then, well, where is this money going? And it reminded me of a question that was asked to us. Uh, Keegan, you gave a really fantastic analogy of how if all of us have a piece of the pie in our particular um, region, then the pie is being expanded, but our particular piece of the pie isn't. And that's in a nutshell what inflation
1: um. Yep, that's is a simplistic doing. view of, of, uh, of inflation. It's practical, though. It's a functional way of thinking about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And then and someone asked us the question, well, where... Who's, whose piece of the pie is getting larger, if that's the case, or, you know, this, you're saying that this pie is getting larger, but where is the allocation of the extra pie going? Who's, whose piece does that belong to? And we were talking about this earlier is, okay, where, whose piece of the pie is getting larger? Where is this circulation, or where is is the money that is being stimulated into circulation being allocated to, or who is it being allocated to? And then, Um, We started talking about other things uh, based on the kind of decisions that we make. And I remember saying as a society, if if we're in a sinking ship and we are used to having the mentality of doing everything that we can to make this sinking ship not sink instead of fleeing from this sinking ship. And a really good example of that is we're both developers and um, just in a software sense, if something is wrong with your code, you need to get it patched or you you need to put a band-aid solution on it so you can fix it for now. But that doesn't fix the source of the problem. And once you put enough band-aids... The source of your problem still exists, but you're going to continue to put Band-Aid over Band-Aid because you don't want to deal with the cascade of problems that you decided to um, ignore in the first place.
1: Yeah, I want to interject here and just add a little bit of uh, context from the software side of things. Uh, usually when a company builds software, uh, they're they're kind of building two versions at once, once they get to a big enough stage. They've built the one that everyone's using, but they're also building the next version, the better version uh, in tandem alongside it. And the version that's currently live, it has flaws inherently. And just simply because, uh, well, technology is moving at a really, really fast pace, and software especially. So there's always better ways of doing things. And in hindsight, you know what's wrong with the current software, and you know how you could make it better with the future one. So my main critique uh, of, uh, or a main critique, I suppose, of the financial system that we're living in right now, the world economy, is that we... uh, we seem to be running the current software and we're not thinking about the next version in any meaningful way. And, and by we, I kind of mean world governments, because I think that the, uh, the software 2.0 of world economy is uh, the alternative is here. So the, the separate ship that we can jump to um, is now available for us to, uh, to look at, to take a, take a second look at. Um, but uh, that's not really being taken seriously um, in any meaningful way.
0: I just see a majority of world governments, because I, I do think that there's a minority of governments that we don't know about, we haven't studied about, and putting True. a blanket statement on world governments not paying attention to their economy is a dangerous statement. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so going forward with that analogy, I was talking about how it seems like we're in, we're in the Titanic and we're looking at the iceberg and the iceberg is collapse of the Titanic. But in this case, it, it's collapse of the monetary system that we're currently following. But we're heading towards it anyway. And the, the, the worst part is we put the iceberg there. And I know this doesn't follow the analogy of the movie, but in this particular analogy, we are expecting the iceberg to magically fall away. And, and the iceberg is the crash of uh, our our monetary system and th- th- the other thing that i noted was so who is who is ca- who's the captain of this ship? Who's piloting the ship? It's a small group of people and it, the people on board of the ship probably cannot have a say into what the captain should do. And that's where the centralized control aspect comes into play, where there's a small group of people who've decided that we're still headed towards the iceberg because the iceberg is going to be fine. It's not going to break the ship. And then there's people aboard this ship who are thinking... We're definitely going to sink and die if we continue headed towards this iceberg. And then you came into the, the story or this analogy that I was doing, Keegan, and then you said, well, Bitcoin is a piece of land that is nearby and we can see it. And all you have to do is jump into a life raft. and Yeah, you the life there. rafts
1: are the exchanges, essentially. So in order to buy Bitcoin, you need to uh, t- to put your your government-issued money, your fiat money, Canadian dollars, US dollars, Euro, whatever that might be, you need to put that into an exchange, and the exchange is the life raft, and they'll take you to the land of Bitcoin. And the reason why I see the world economy as uh, as like the Titanic, or like I agree with that analogy, is uh, is sort of because it is in line with the the sinking ship kind of uh, kind of way of looking at things like inflation kind of is one of those sinking ship phenomenons that uh, that monetary policy can fall into. And the reason why Bitcoin's not another boat is because it's fundamentally designed differently. It, it actually has the ability to, uh, well, it's immune to some of the problems <laughs> that uh, I know I'm using grandiose terminology here, like immune, but it, it, it's immune to inflation. so it's 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 land in that sense. If the Titanic can sink um due to inflation and go to the bottom of the ocean, then uh, then the thing that is land is the thing that can't sink in terms of uh, in terms of destruction of value due to an inflation,
0: yeah, I wouldn't say it's just inflation, though there's so many true, so many different phenomenon that are in play here because fundamentally, the system that we have been following, has a time limit. And I think we're too attached to letting go of something that is doomed to not work in the future.
1: Let's take a humanist approach to this conversation too, because one of the, the, uh, the contextual elements to the conversation that we had was that, uh, listen, we're humans, we're constantly improving things. We're constantly finding better and better ways to do things. This is kind of in line with that software analogy. We've got version one of world economy, and uh, and we should be ver- building the next version when when the inevitable collapse of version one uh, comes because there'll come a day where what we're doing uh, is not sustainable anymore. And I would love to have a plan. <laughs> I would love to have a plan to uh, to move to a better uh, you know 2.0 world economy. And you know to the human's credit, we- we've built that that exists right now and it's it's really hard to convince people that um that that's, that's Bitcoin or to take that notion seriously or even to discuss it in an intellectual way.
0: So Keegan, I wanna bring this conversation to the case study that you've written, which is currently sitting at 22 pages, um, but it might be a little bit bigger once we finish it up. But we said this in the beginning again of this particular episode is the world has come to a point where the CEO of a multi-billion dollar company has decided to convert $425 million of its cash reserves into bitcoin so uh, keeping that in mind keegan what are some of the most unique findings that you came across when you were doing research for this case study
1: yeah one of the really interesting things uh, about that situation is that the company bought one thing they bought one thing and one thing only they bought bitcoin they did not diversify their assets whatsoever. They bought exactly one type of thing, and that's Bitcoin. And that was uh, that should, I think, be mind blowing because uh, you know we've, at least within my financial education, I'd be talking. I, I, would, I would, I've been taught. Okay, you must diversify your portfolio. You must spread your uh, allocation across uh, real estate, precious metals, stocks, and then even throw in some government bonds, and that that'll give you a nice balance to hedge your risk. And the CEO of this company, Michael Saylor, says, look, I think it's extremely risky to be into anything except for Bitcoin right now. (laughs) And I think that's hilarious. That was one of the most uh, striking found findings about this Uh, uses this analogy, says, uh, look, I'm on this $500 million melting ice cube. And I essentially have, a uh, the, it's melting because uh, the the $500 million in cash is uh, losing purchasing power on a year-over-year basis. And he says, look, I got to do something. I've actually have a responsibility to my shareholders to make sure that this cash doesn't depreciate in, uh, in value. And so he's like, okay, well... Let's let's buy Bitcoin that I mean that's it's immune to inflation I I think I can uh, I think this is a reasonable thing to do and he sat his board down which is a team of five people so it's not like this whole thing was just one person's decision it was an initiative taken by one person in an agreement that five independent people any of which could have said no this is crazy we're not going to do this they had unanimous support. For the company to do this and that so i i gave you two i actually gave you two striking foundings the first was that they bought bitcoin and only bitcoin to solve their problem and that they uh the entire board five individuals uh completely autonomous fully capable of making their own decisions and forming their own opinions they all arrived at the same conclusion yes this is the right thing to do with 500 million dollars in cash
0: so if you're listening to this or watching this on YouTube and you're thinking this is insane, this is this is crazy, crazy. This is it's ridiculous that I'm listening to this. We're with you. <laughs> <laughs> it is ridiculous that this is it's it's Bitcoin. I remember talking to someone just last week and um, they were talking about what they wanted to allocate their cryptocurrency portfolio, uh, w- what allocations they wanted to decide on. And the first thing they said is, mm, I don't want to buy any Bitcoin. Bitcoin is too volatile. And and I said, maybe I can change your mind about that <laughs> <laughs> over the next few calls that we have. But I, if you're listening to this and, and just thinking Bitcoin is too volatile, it's not a great store of value and coming up with all sorts of reasons to essentially... Um,
1: Talk yourself out of it.
0: Well, fuel the ridicule that Bitcoin is taken seriously I just hope that you're not taking, like, I'm not say- saying this sarcastically. I'm actually mind blown that this is what the world has come to. Anyway, if you're thinking this, the case study is going to come out in the first week of December, and we're going to send it to everyone who's on our, on our mailing list. So if you haven't joined it already, go to our website and then sign up for our newsletter. And you will get to read all about how someone went on to decide and implemented a strategy um, for their company to convert four hundred twenty-five million dollars of their cash reserves into Bitcoin,
1: and I, I also want to just draw attention to the fact that, like, uh, you can be an individual and take a lot away from this uh, this company's decision. Uh, it it does actually map pretty well onto okay, I'm a, I'm an individual, or I'm a family, or I'm a small business, or I'm a company that does a million dollars in revenue a year. Uh, this case study is meant to and it's written in such a way that uh, anyone at any level should be able to take something away from it in, in the sense that it's educational. So you'll learn something about the way that the Bitcoin network works, what it's designed to do, what its primary use case or, or value offering is. Um, all of that's in there and more, which is which is good. So if you're an individual and you're thinking, OK, look, uh, you know what, you're, you're making some sense world economy looks weird, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, maybe Bitcoin is a good a good hedge against that, then, uh, then this study could be, uh, could be your thing.
0: Or if you just want to learn about why someone would take the ridiculous decision to convert $425 million worth of their cash reserves into Bitcoin. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that too.
0: <laughs> I'm I'm seriously undergoing this. Wow. This is what we're doing. This is incredible. It's quite mind-boggling. I cannot I cannot I can, I can completely understand, but what's the next 15 years going to look like?
1: I actually if this is the case? have no idea. And like it's actually really useful to go back in time and and look at 20 2009, 2010, 2011 like the the thought of uh, of a company, a publicly traded company taking that amount of money and buying bitcoin with it in 2010 at like if you told me that at that point i'd be like okay uh, i don't think that you're sane very much <laughs> like
0: people are still saying that even right now there's
1: yeah true you
0: no know, not enough awareness around why this is a safer bet than holding on to your cash Depending on the country that you're in. Do you know
1: what's fun? I just thought of this. Okay, so in uh, in 2010, the, one of the first purchases of a uh, Bitcoin is pizza. They bought two large pizzas from Papa John's Pizza for 10,000 Bitcoin, right? So the, the amount of Bitcoin that this company, MicroStrategy, bought is uh, 38,000 Bitcoin. So let's just round up and call it 40,000 40, pizzas. So, uh, sorry, not 40,000 pizzas. 40,000 Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, so in 2010, 10,000 Bitcoin was worth, uh, 25 to
0: 30 US dollars.
1: Right. And so for a hundred dollars, you could make the same purchase and for a hundred dollars in, in 2010, you could make the same purchase of Bitcoin as you can make today for $425 million.
0: Uh, That confused me, Keegan. I didn't follow your math there. Can you, (laughs) can you maybe say that again differently?
1: Uh yes, sure. So if you ordered uh 8 lar- pa- large Papa John pizzas, 8 8 8. Yeah. And uh you would receive 40,000 Bitcoin for that in 20, 000- 2010. Right?
0: Because the value of 1 Bitcoin was $25?
1: What? The value of 10,000 Bitcoin was $25. Oh, right. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Just trying to follow <laughs>
1: <laughs> my math. Basically, what I'm saying is that uh, the first, like, where did we come from? We came from uh, the value of Bitcoin being used to purchase uh, like a quarter of that that t- that total amount, forty thousand Bitcoin was used to purchase two large pizzas, and now it's that that amount is being used as uh, as cash reserves for this publicly traded company. It's just it's like it's a night and day. It's like holy smokes, this ridiculous Bitcoin thing. Uh, that amount. Is now being used as cash reserves instead of to buy pizzas. Maybe this was an unproductive yes, game. <laughs> no.
0: <laughs> okay, for everyone listening and watching, if you got that, please tweet about it or let us know, because I'm still not following that. Uh, when you said where did we come from? I was thinking, where did we go? Where did we come from? Cotton like, Nigel.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so that was where my mind was. Sorry about that.
1: No. Anyway. It's all good.
0: <laughs> we digress. We're talking about pizzas. hope we're not making anybody hungry. But anyway, we, ha- we digress again. So again, to our listeners and viewers on YouTube, this case study that we're producing is coming out in the first week of December. We will probably talk about it again in an episode in December. But if you want to read this, it's really well written and very simple, not being modest at all. <laughs> it's a great, great case study. Go up to our website and sign up for a newsletter because that's how you would receive it.
1: Our, our website is gofullcrypto.com.
0: Oh yeah, we link it in the show notes. Yeah. And if you're with us, if if you're if you're pro bitcoin and you're also thinking it's ridiculous that this is a thing, just email us or tweet at us and say I'm with you and these are some of the reasons and thought processes I have gone through to come to the same realization and it's it's a, it's a great wild ride. And again, if you're enjoying our content, please remember to like, share, and subscribe on wherever you're watching. Especially if you're on YouTube. So that, or you know what, more importantly, tell your friends about it, because we 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 want to be the proponents of disseminating cryptocurrency, or you know, in particular, Bitcoin and finance to a lot of people. And if you tell a friend about it, um, they can tell a friend about it, and that's how we can grow. So that would be very much appreciated.
1: Yeah. Also, like, that's how we grow, but it's also how you grow. That's true. Because if you open up that conversation with a friend, who knows what kind of discussion points that you're going to arise. You might both come to a question that you're unable to answer, at which point you can email us at ready at GoFullCrypto.com. Very true. And we can answer that question on the show for you and your friends. You can take that answer. And then you can go and possibly benefit from it yeah. by, uh, by buying Bitcoin or not, depending on the answer.
0: This is not investment advice.
1: It's straight up not investment
0: advice. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for that, Kegan. That was a really good point. Well, thank you again for listening and watching and stay tuned.